something, Ben Maymaritis. 46. 46. Jason Snow and Ben Maymaritis along for the ride with you. Buckle up. It's going to be a wild one. No Andrew oh, yes. in the Zoom today. You know, as usual, I'm the easiest name in the Zoom. Jason Snow. Pack and I'm show. the hardest name in the Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Benny Mermaid. Um, <laughs> but we got a pack show, so uh, keep your ear on the, on the radio here. Uh, we're going to finish up with some obnoxious Lakers talk, which is you know prone for a show quite like this with me on it. Um, but we're going to start with, with week five of the NFL season. Uh, it was a really, you know, kind of a weird week. There were some favorites that went down, some upsets that um, kind of shook the world, honestly. Um, but yeah, let's get into your team of the week, Ben. Who is the team that really stood out to you this week? Yeah, so my team of the week was a team that I gave no chance going into this week, and that's the Las Vegas Raiders. They went into Kansas City and pulled out a victory against Patrick Mahomes and that Legion of Zoom team that I have been singing my praises about on this show. I mean, you look at the, the team stats, right? Total plays, drives, first downs, they were all pretty much identical. Then you look at the run game. They had way more yards, 144 yards for the Raiders and 80 for the Chiefs. You know, Edwards Hilaire just couldn't get it going. The run game was all about the Raiders this entire game. And then to cap it off, they had a 16-point fourth quarter, which pretty much, you know, won the game for them. And, you know, I, I just didn't give the Raiders a chance. I didn't give them a chance at all against Kansas City. And why would I? I had the Raiders at the bottom of the division. You know, I think the Broncos, Chargers, and Chiefs are all better. And I just did not think they would go into Andy Reid's house and steal a victory. And they just really impressed me. And there was... I, I cannot say anything bad about this team. Derek Carr lit it up, 347 yards, was throwing the ball all over the place. So, you know, everything was going right for the Raiders. So, yeah, they're my team of the week for sure. And that's a very good pick because they were kind of a team that I highlighted um, like in recent weeks as to be like, you know, this team can make some noise. They went into the uh, into Gillette Stadium, a game that we both watched intently. And although the score was 36-13 and it was like a blowout, they kind of stopped, you know, they put a lid on Cam Newton's accuracy, which was like a storyline through the first three weeks. Rex Burkhead obviously had a game, but that defense can really make some noise, Jonathan Abram. And that was kind of a team yeah. that like after the draft, we were all like, well, they could have got their players at, you know, different spots if they just waited and maybe traded down. Like they, you know, that defense is really shaping up. So that's a really good pick. Um, one I really like. But my team of the week, I'm going to give it to the Bears who played on Thursday night. And Ooh. this this kind of was a game that I, if you just look at the circumstances, I know I picked Tampa Bay to win it. But this, if you just looked at the circumstances, no OJ Howard, Chris Godwin still out, Fournette still out, you know, in Chicago, that could have been a game where the, you know, the Bears could squeak one out. They're now four and one. I don't think their record is necessarily in, like an indictment of how good of a team they are. I don't think they're as good as a four and one, you know, stereotypical team. Mm-hmm. But if you look at how that game went on, Khalil Mack was a monster. And, and I'm just going to give them team of the week because of how much I disrespected them in the last few weeks. They pulled out a win that I didn't <laughs> think it, that's a good, that's a quality win right there. So I'll give it to the bears, but Ben, everyone's waiting for this. Who's the good noodle? My good noodle of the week is shame on me, first of all. Shame on me for not picking this guy to be MVP this year, and it's Russell Wilson. I picked, I picked Patrick Mahomes to win MVP this year, and you know what? Shame on me because Russell Wilson, as of right now, in my opinion, is the best quarterback in the league. I believe it. I think he's been playing like it. These first five games, they're undefeated. They should not have won against Minnesota. They just shouldn't have. And after a terrible first half, by the way, terrible first half by Seattle, Seattle comes back. And, you know, you look at the stats, not a great game for Russell Wilson statistically, only 217 yards, three touchdowns. He had a pick, you know, wasn't, you know, like crazy until the fourth quarter came around when the money was on the line, when the game mattered most, this guy comes out and just balls out on a fourth and 10. He hooks up with DK Metcalf to save the game on a beautiful strike. And then on, was he a third and goal or fourth and goal? I forget which one, but 
it might have been fourth and goal actually now that I think about it because it was it was the game or a touchdown basically and he threw a beautiful throw to DK Metcalf who made a nice diving grab and I got to shout out DK Metcalf too because he's been balling this year as well he's your guy yeah D a DK has been only receiver thus far who's had over 90 yards receiving in every game so far by the way so got to keep your eye on him you know, potential offensive player of the year candidate right there. But Ooh. Russell Wilson, man, he he's just playing amazing football. Best quarterback in the league. So, yeah, Russell Wilson is my good noodle. I'm a good noodle. I'm a good noodle. Yeah, Ben, Russell Wilson is a very – I like that one a lot because Russell Wilson going into this year was my MVP pick. Um, absolutely. And I'm kind of hitting on that one, to be honest. But my, MV, my good noodle of the week is none other than Derek Carr. And to go with your team of the week, and that was a team effort, absolutely. Going into Kansas yeah. is no, you know, isn't a treat. But if you look at Derek Carr on the year, this is an appreciation reaction for Derek Carr. 73% completions, 11 touchdowns and an interception on the season against, a, you know, the Patriots, the Bills, and the Kansas City Chiefs the last three weeks. Are you kidding me? Excellent. Three proven defenses against the Chiefs in a tough stadium to play in, mind you. 22 of 31. 347 yards, three touchdowns and a pick, 126 quarterback rating for a guy going into this year. We were like, is his job kind of on thin ice? Like, is he a dead quarterback walking? They bring in Mariota to, to maybe push him a little bit. We weren't really sure if he was like a top 10, top 11, top 12 quarterback, right? Like in the league. And yeah, he was like, like middle of the pack. Yeah. Yeah. And his relationship with Gruden was kind of up in the air all throughout the off season, early parts of this season too. And now he's playing like a top 10 quarterback. He's playing like it. I don't know if he is quite yet, but he's absolutely, for a Raiders team that, like you said, we pegged him to be last in their division, kind of a dysfunctional mess. He's kind of sewed it all together. He's played, honestly, as a three and two team that has like a boomer bust potential. He's, you know, in my MVP candidacy right now. Is You think that's fair to say? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely fair to say. I think, you know, they'll come back. He'll come back down to earth eventually. I, I just don't see, you know, that's such a tough division with everything. And I feel like the MVP race kind of, you know, he can be balling out. But if they're, they did win against Kansas City, I, that's a really tough question. He could be. He could be like the dark horse MVP, but I don't know. I, I, I don't see it. I think there's too many names at the top of the list that I would put ahead of him. Like, yeah. obviously, Russ. Patrick Mahomes, you know, you could put Josh Allen above him right now. Absolutely. So, you know, but he's definitely in the conversation right now. He's been playing excellent. I agree with you 100%. I'm a good noodle. I'm a good noodle. Dumpster fire. And this is one that pre-show I was like kind of bubbling about. And I was like so excited to be kind of theatrical, kind of over the top on this because I think it's kind of fun. Oh, boy. Before we get to that. Who's your dumpster fire? Who's? Oh, you're gonna leave them hanging. You're yep. gonna leave the the listeners hanging. I like hey, it. All right, cliffhanger's hey. the way to go. <laughs> well, I'll go with my dumpster fire, which is it's gonna be kind of a surprise. I feel like to a lot of people listening, but it's got to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ooh, okay. Now, Tom right. Brady. Tom Brady was my good noodle last week, and deservedly so. He had five touchdowns and was just unbelievable against the Chargers, but. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as a team, they got a lot to figure out. They're just not as buttoned up as the rest of the teams in the league. They're not disciplined at all. 11 penalties for over 100 yards. The offensive line is incredibly undisciplined. You had the center, Ryan Jensen, freaking uh, headbutting people <laughs> for yeah. no reason whatsoever. Um, ugly. Yeah, like, wh- what are we doing? And Bruce Arians, really, you know, and I think a lot of people get on Brady about this. And you got to remember, look at this at face value. The Buccaneers are not the Patriots. They're just not. And Brady's not used to playing in a system like this where everyone is just kind of loosey-goosey. You know, it's all about the home run play. It's all about flashiness. It's all about, um, you know, the big play, right? Whereas in New England, it was the exact opposite. It was meticulous, methodical, you know, driving the ball downfield, no penalties. And it's just opposite. You saw Brady, you know, leaning into his receivers, just absolutely hammering them, like screaming at them. And deservedly so, they were playing like crap the entire night. Khalil Mack had his way, 
with Tristan Wirfs. He Cleo Mack threw him to the ground with one arm. And Tristan Wirfs is a not a small person. That was that was just brute strength. But yeah, Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a lot to figure out. Um, you know, I, I still have the Saints winning this division, but the Saints aren't looking too great right now either. But yeah, the the Bucks they got they got a lot to figure out if they're going to make a potential Super Bowl run because I have them you know in my you know Super Bowl bubble, but they need to figure out some things first for sure. So you're not like they're not the Patriots, but you're not necessarily selling your stock. You're just kind of in a grace period, like a gray area. They they have some stuff to figure out. Yeah, I mean, like 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 we said, I know they're missing OJ Howard, and I know they're missing all these other players with injuries and everything. But like, they're missing something. They're missing that one extra. I don't know what it is, but they're missing something where they just they can win this division. They can, but if they don't figure it out soon, it's it's gonna get away from them. I know you kind of pegged them at like nine and seven. That's yeah. what it's looking like right now. But to win the division, you need to win at least ten games. You know what I mean? That's true. So it, you know, it's 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 up in the air with that one. Yeah, I just think it's funny whenever Tampa Bay loses, and especially when they lose like that, when Brady's holding up the four fingers, when it's like oh yeah, down, that's, technically that's just oh man. <laughs> when they lose like that, like don't go on social media for like twenty four hours because you're gonna see, oh, the sky's falling. Brady's forty eight. He's he's you know tripping there's, over bread yep, rolls. There's the cliff. Yep. Oh, so I, I think it's brutal. I think Tampa Bay, like you said, I agree with you. They're in my Super Bowl bubble and they deserve to be. But like you said, they have a lot of stuff they have a lot of stuff to iron out. Now my dumpster fire it pains me. Oh, you're rubbing your hand. <laughs> let's 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 hear it. I'm excited. Let's hear it. My my dumpster fire of the week is none other than my NFC Super Bowl pick, the San Francisco 49ers. Oh! They are. It is. It be, to get pushed all over the field by a team who was, frankly, humiliated in the beginning parts of the season, especially by the Patriots, it was ugly. Like, San Francisco going into the game was an eight-point favorite. Miami was an eight-point dog and got... They pushed them all over the field, 43-17. I know they, you know, Jimmy G pulled in the first half, two interceptions. Ugly. I know they missed Bosa, and that's a key loss, but good God. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. It was really bad. It they was. were in my discussion, too, for dumpster fire, but yeah. And it, oh. the worst part about it is they're my worst of the week now, and it gets even worse. Let me read you off their schedule. Let me stop me when there's a win. Okay. <laughs> Rams at home. Yeah, that might be a win. At mm. New England. That's a that's a treat. No. At Seattle. This is all like in a row. This they're upcoming like six or seven games. Rams, pa- Patriots, Seattle, Green Bay. Nope. This at New Orleans. At the Rams. The Bills. The, <laughs> like, <laughs> where are the wins? Where are the wins? Yeah. If, if, if you didn't, if you got pushed all over the field against the Dolphins, can you imagine what's gonna what it's gonna be like at the Patriots? Good. And then after that, it's, it's Washington with a good defensive front. Then it's, you know, Kyler Murray who just put up a lot of points and then you finish this, this season with Seattle. Like, come on now. Come on now. Dude, maybe there's a light at the end of the tunnel for the Niners, but I'm, I'm a little worried that it's a train and not, you know. Yeah. And I love that analogy and the Niners every day, the Niners. Oh, like I, I had them in my, you know, my, few teams that I was circling for dumpster fire of the week, but with the Niners, I was thinking, well, you know, is Jimmy really back to full health? I don't think so. He was kind of like wincing as he was throwing those balls. Like it wasn't like he wasn't really putting as much cheese on him as he usually does. You know what I mean? Which, you know, that's fine. But like when you're, when you're playing that bad and Shanahan pulls you for CJ Beathard, when you're down by like 50 points, that's yikes. And it, by the way, if the Miami Dolphins are putting up, you know, 43 points on them, on that, you know, injury-ravaged defense, what is, what is Russell Wilson going to do against that my, defense? My point exactly. And even, like, going back to last week, they lost to a Philadelphia team who was brutal exactly. up until that point. They lost to – Carson Wentz couldn't find his footing throughout the season. Oh, what do you know? He plays well against the Niners. And then, like I said, one, two, three, four, five, six. There are upcoming seven games: Rams at Patriots, at Seattle, Packers at home, at Saints, at Rams, Bills at home. Where are the wins? Where Where are the wins? 
<laughs> I don't I don't see any. I, don't I see just any. don't. It's bad. I'm I'm gonna you know list off a few honorable mentions if you don't mind. Um, Go for it. Our guy. I know we lost, and I know he's zero four. But yeah. Justin Justin Herbert is the, is a guy. He is a dude. He's an absolute gamer. He can play. Yes, I don't he care is. that he's zero. I don't care that he's zero four in his four starts. If you watch the games, toe to toe in Kansas with Kansas City, up twenty four seven on Tom Brady. Even though Tom Brady's pick six contributed to, contributed to that. Yeah, and then up big against you know. Drew Brees, and I know Drew Brees kind of looks shot at this point up until like the last six minutes of the, four, the fourth quarter. I don't know what happened, but Ju- Justin Herbert, oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, you and I were, were texting back and forth about it, but that's the loudest 0-4 start I've seen from a quarterback. I mean, a rookie quarterback, his first four starts are losses, but man, did he make some noise. He was throwing it all over the place, and he made a couple of throws against the Saints that just made me go, wow. And then, I mean, in every game, every game he plays, he has a few throws where I'm just like, wow, he is NFL ready right now. Yeah. I mean, he, you go toe-to-toe with Mahomes, Breeze, and Brady, and you're, you know, competing. And and he's younger than me. He's younger <laughs> than me. Yeah, you said that. Like, that was my mind. I'm sorry. I forgot to preface this was... He's not an honorable mention for worst of the week. He's an honorable mention for good noodle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but oh, he's not afraid either. Like you can probably like, there's a difference between throwing into, you know, good coverage as, you know, brave, not afraid, mm-hmm. or like there's no, there's bad judgment. I think, I think Herbert's not afraid. I think, I think Herbert, you know, that job is his from now on, but yeah, without- Absolutely. But to transition, uh, we're going to talk about something that honestly none of us want to talk about this morning, and that's Dak Prescott and you know his future. He suffered a gruesome injury last night, and you know it pains me to say it, but that will be coming up next on the final call. Ben May Maritas here with Jason Snow. Just vibing. This song goes out to Dak Prescott. This is a song by the one and only Jason Snow, who, by the way, writes a great publication called New England Sports United. Oh, Benny Segway, impressing me every week. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Segway skills on point, my friend. Absolutely. You know me. Oh, my. Yes. Yeah, a, a great written, publication. Written for New England. Absolutely. And you know what? I appreciate you giving me a little credit on the song choice here. You know Absolutely. what? Absolutely. I know like three. Yep. And and that's one of them. So props to me for being yep. more well hey, every day. Shout out to Jason Snow, the the DJ here on the final call. <laughs> but we do have some, you know, I did mention Dak Prescott in the intro because, you know, as we know, Dak Prescott suffered a very gruesome injury on Sunday. A compound fracture of his ankle, dislocated his ankle, needed emergency surgery. The surgery went well, according to all reports, so good for him. We wish, we wish Dak a speedy recovery, and we hope that the comeback story will be even better than, you know, what we're expecting. But, Jason, what was your initial reaction to seeing Dak Prescott and, you know, his injury, and how do you think that's, you know, basically, I just want your reaction on it. I I hate seeing stuff like that, regardless of who it is. Um, yeah. It just pains because, you know, if you look at that Cowboy team, they not wither, they weren't withering, withering away, but you could tell, like, that team's not very good right now, and, and they need everything to go their way. And for a guy like Dak, who, you know, the team really rallies around, it's, it's crushing. But if there's one saving grace in this, is that we talked about this before a couple episodes ago, I believe, is that there's one thing that unites a group of people, and that's crisis. And this could yep. be their crisis, and they they could potentially be like, you know what, we're gonna play like we're gonna play uh, well for Dak. We're gonna play for Dak. Could that potentially turn things around so that they don't give up 34 points to a Giants team who just scored nine two weeks in a row? Maybe, and 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 might that that might be a good thing, but to 
just simply what if you haven't seen it don't just just take my word for it. it it's gruesome it rubs me the wrong way and you know i hated every second of it but for for andy dalton to get in you know good for him but for dak it, it pains me yeah for me i agree 100 percent. it was not a good sight to see you know obviously it was a gruesome injury but just to see him get carted off you know he's he's crying because he knows he knows his season's over he knows that his future is kind of in the balance you know just because of I mean, nowadays, fortunately, you know, medicine is so advanced now. We're like Alex Smith, right? If Alex Smith was playing in the, you know, 80s, he's not coming back to football. No. He's just not. But we saw him, you know, make his comeback on Sunday, which was, you know, kind of a – I said it in the group chat. It's kind of a weird coincidence, you know, like kind of weird fate how, you know, Alex Smith makes his return and then Dak goes down with a similar injury. You know, but it's uh, it was it was tough to watch, man. Just but like you said, you know, there was a great shot of um, Mike McCarthy and Jason Garrett, both uh, you know, checking on Dak, making sure he was okay. Um, reportedly, he's in good spirits. Um, so I just hope this guy has you know a comeback for the ages. You know, I I've been critical of him in the past, but you know, because I don't think he's worth forty million dollars just based on his play. But there's nothing I question nothing about his leadership I think he's a great leader for that team I think he is you know and Stephen Jones came out and said it. he's the franchise guy going forward and you know I hope he is but with that being said how do you think this is going to affect Dak's future in Dallas yeah it's interesting and you know before I answer that question the way he was crying it wasn't like Oh my gosh, I'm in so much pain. It was like I can't afford to leave you guys behind. That's just yes, how it that's exactly. how it, that's how it landed for me. Yep. And I'm sure the pain was excruciating, but that just goes to show how much he believes in this team. That's how much he's embedded in this team. And that, you know, it, it it's heart wrenching. But to answer your question about his future in Dallas, I think oddly enough, despite the injury, it helps it even more. It 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 helps his odds to secure a contract more. Um a, because if you get, if Andy Dalton leads this team and they're clearly not as dynamic offensively and you can just tell like they miss Dak, that's, that's another layer of it that, you know, Dak's agent could potentially go to Jerry Jones and be like, Hey, you miss Dak. If, if yeah. you, if you had Dak, you're in the playoffs, you had Andy Dalton, you didn't essentially, if that's how the season were to transpire, that's another layer to it. But uh, I, I think the Cowboys now more than ever realized how much Dak means to them and how much of that means to their team. Because going into the offseason, I was like, you know what? Dak's not worth the money that he's wanting. Tom Brady's available. Why doesn't Dallas go get Tom Brady? He'd be a perfect fit, good offensive line, perfect, like great weapons. I, I, I was hawking that for weeks. Yeah, you were. Potentially months. I was really obnoxious with that one. But I could kind of tell why they didn't because of how much Dak impacted that team in that, in that culture. He was, like you said, A plus leader. Yeah. And, and that was kind of the book on him last year, too, was how much he was, you know, involved in the team and how much that team rallied around Dak. And sure, maybe you sacrifice a little bit of talent. Maybe you, you sacrifice a little bit of, you know, there was, you know, criticism going back to a couple of years ago where it was like, oh, he puts up great stats, but most of it's in garbage time. Maybe you sacrifice that for having a, you know, a guy that the team can rally around. I think it, I think it helps his future in Dallas, not hurts it. I, I hope he gets his money. I hope that he's secured long-term. But I am a little worried because Andy Dalton's a good backup quarterback. You know, a lot of people are saying that he's, you know, probably the best backup quarterback in the league. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who he won the division before in the AFC North, a competitive division. He's been to the playoffs, although he doesn't have a win, but he's, he's led his team to the playoffs. The Patriots were eyeing him pre-camp. Yep, the Patriots were eyeing him. He averaged like 10 wins, I think, in his six years as a starter, so... He's very capable. Yeah. So I'm a little worried. If Andy Dalton starts winning games, like how is that going to affect it? Because what if they're like, oh, we weren't winning with Dak, and now all of a sudden we have the red rifle in here and he's winning games. Yeah. I hope I hope that, that that doesn't happen, and I hope that if it does happen that the Cowboys can kind of see through that and be like, listen, like Andy Dalton is – capable but he doesn't bring 
what Dak Prescott brings to the table as far as leadership, as far as mentality. And honestly, I don't think the players would be all about that either. If they if the Cowboys do Dak dirty like that, I don't think the Cowboys players would be for that at all. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, they, they certainly rally around him week in and week out. But we we were talking about Dak a lot last year where the Cowboys were, what, sub-500? Or maybe they didn't even win a game against, you know, teams above 500. And, yeah. And we, were, we we had this debate. It was back in the studio. Remember those days? Beautiful oh, yeah, days. the good old studio. Yeah. Oh, Dale Dorman missed it dearly. Um, But anyway, we were talking about, like, can the – I think it was after the Patriots lost when they lost in Foxborough, but – we were talking about can you build a championship team around Dak and if you can build a sustainable amount of success around Dak. And I think, you know, back then I wasn't necessarily sold, but if you look at, if you just gave him a defense and you just said, you know what, the other team's not going to score more than 17. I thought, you know, like, he has a good offensive line. I don't think it, like, I don't know if he needed the best offensive line in the league to necessarily win games. I think he could get by with it you know, maybe top 10, but I don't think he needed like the best one by far. Yeah. You give him CD lamb. You give him, if you just say, we're going to give Dak Prescott a defense that holds the team under 20. I think Dak can do that for you. And I still struggle naturally giving him Mahomes money, but if that's market value and like he, Dak fits the timeline of this team. If you bring in a rookie, it's not going to do well. If you bring exactly. in like a Phillip rivers, then it's like one foot out the door. So I think Dak's the perfect fit for this team. It's just, is he worth the money? And I think potentially, maybe it's just, how does he recover? And it should be noted, he received surgery the night, of, like right after the game anyway. So yeah. I don't know if that bodes well, but it's better, it's better a sign than not. Yeah, they're, they're saying like four to six months recovery time. So, yeah. you know, and who knows how long that'll be with COVID and everything and you know, whatever. But yeah, um, I'm kind of in the same boat as you when it comes to giving him like the Mahomes money because, you know, I understand that's kind of where the market value is going, but to me, Dak, I still need to see a little more. And I think, I think the problem here is this. They rely too much on Dak. You have an excellent running back in Ezekiel Elliott, who is, you know, we always say on this show, he's at least a top five running back in the league, right? When he's healthy. Easy. So why, like, for me, Dak Prescott is the perfect play-action quarterback. He's throwing, what, his first three games, it was like four, 450 yards, then it was like 460, and then he threw for like 502. He's throwing it all over the place. Like, you have Ezekiel Elliott, and Ezekiel Elliott's averaging like, I don't even know, I'm, I'm, I'm making this number off the top of my head, but he had like 11 touches. It's like, why? Like, why are we not, you know, deferring to one of the best running backs in the league when what you said is absolutely true, they have a great O-line. I know Tyron Smith just went out for the year, but, you know, yeah. like, if you if you were to kind of uh, share the wealth with Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott as opposed to, like, oh, it's all Dak Prescott and we're just going to kind of sprinkle in some Zeke, I don't think that's the way you're going to, you know, win games. I think the best way to do it is kind of, you know, they lean off each other, kind of like a yin and yang. Like, yeah, Zeke, Zeke might have, you know, uh, 90 yards rushing or 100 yards rushing but Dak could have like Dak might not have 300 yards passing but he might have like you know two 210 right. but he's but if they're winning games you know who cares right I mean numbers don't really matter in the end it's the wins and losses I think that's like the best way to do it but like if you're carrying the entire load you know as Dak Prescott and then you go down you know it's that's that's a huge loss for that team it is, and I, I think I ultimately agree with you that they need to, you know, reorganize their identity, and they need to get their priorities straight. In a perfect world, they would do that, but it, I feel like this Cowboys team falls behind too much, so that you know, third quarter, mid third quarter, they look up at the scoreboard and they're like, "Oh my gosh, we need to make up some ground. We can't afford to, you know, run this clock too much." So then they just default to getting Zeke involved in, you know, the passing game, obviously, and getting. Then they look at the receivers and they're like, all right, we got good receivers. Let's just, you know, play flag football. And like, if you look back at the, the Falcons, the Falcons game is a perfect indictment of that. They fell behind. They needed to catch up and Dak was able to get them back. But I, I ultimately agree. Like they need to run the ball more often. It's just time and situation. It hasn't really allowed them. But that being said, 
I have a couple of questions here. Is sure. A will Dak's absence force their hand into doing what we just said and forcing the running the run at all costs? Kind of playing like Baltimore, New England. Will they play like that, even with the good receivers? And then my second question is if they do that, or regardless, actually, will this team kind of squeak into the playoffs with a record, you know, sub a record that is ideal for a playoff team? Like seven to nine, eight and eight, will they squeak in? Um, I think yes, they will squeak in because you know, they're going to win the division. They're going to like, cause you got to look at the, a- or not the AFC East, the uh, NFC East. Um, the giants are a mess, right? I mean, they did just put 30 something points, but that Dallas defense is nothing to be scared of. Um, the Eagles, Carson Wentz is probably going to get benched soon for Jalen hurts. And then you have the, I almost just said the, um, <clears throat> the, the other name, the Washington football team, who again doesn't have a name and they are they scored 10 points against you know who did they play the rams but the they, rams. they started kyle yeah. allen which is like yeah dwayne haskins hasn't really showed any progress so that that division is the cowboys to lose basically and we said that before the season started in our extravaganza we all had dallas i think well no actually you and i had uh philadelphia but we didn't think that <laughs> you know, Carson Wentz was going to be Carson Wentz, but anyway. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I'm I'm all about my nicknames over here. But anyway, wordplay. <laughs> um, kind of lost my train of thought there. <laughs> but <laughs> the weak division, they can squeak in. Yeah, they 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 can squeak in this with this weak division, and um, I think you know they're not going to make any noise. Obviously, Andy Dalton doesn't have a playoff win to his name. You know they're going to lose to whoever they face in the first round anyway. So, you know, it's, it's kind of an unfortunate situation anyway, but I think they definitely have a better chance if they had Dak than if they had Andy Dalton. And this is a team that like, I don't really have a lot of spirit in simply because of that defense. The the offense is, you know, good on paper, obviously, but when you look at that defense, uh, a little shaky, I think they can squeak in just simply because of their division, but nothing other than that. But uh, that brings me to a segment that I've been, dying for months here we go lakers 2020 champs coming up next i've been dreading this yeah i know we just signed the deal but i need my advance on the next one too they know i'm gonna be around yeah i need it metro booming want some more because i got a really big ben team and they need they need some really nice things. Are you ready Better for be me? Better be coming with no strings. Better be coming with no strings. <laughs> Are you ready we need some really nice for a things. big, long really menu of Jason's snow on a happy Tuesday? I got a really big team. How was your Sunday, Ben? They need some really nice things. It was all right. Was pretty... LeBron's is pretty good, I heard. Yeah, LeBron had a good Sunday. As did I. And you know what? Yeah, I bet you did, Jason. <laughs> oh, it feels good to be alive. Yes, Go ahead. Does. Go ahead, Jason. Well, if, you know, take, take you the victory been, lap. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't been listening to this show pretty much from the beginning of its, ex- its existence, um, Ben and I have been through this ongoing feud of uh, Jordan and LeBron. And um, I forgot to mention, by the way, this segment is brought to you by the Scoreboard Times, written by Andrew Fantuccio, who's currently absent here today. Uh, Great show your passion. Show your passion while we're here. Yes, it is a great publication, but you know what, Benny? Today's a great day. Today's an amazing day. Outside Whatever. of, the, <laughs> outside of this, <laughs> the street craziness in LA right now. Oh, man. So, like I was saying, if you haven't been listening to the show pretty much since it started about a year ago, uh, I'm a, you know, a LeBron guy. And Ben's been taunting me with this three and six garbage for like a year. And, uh, you know, it feels pretty good to pump my chest for the, you know, for a little bit. Ben, what was your first reaction to LeBron hoisting both trophies, the finals MVP and the finals trophy? Something that, you know, you kind of, you try, you trash his career when you were talking to me earlier, but hey, listen, you, you cover your eyes at all. What was I your lone thought? Did I come to mind? Yeah. Jason Snow is in my nightmares Sunday <laughs> night with a, with a goat mask and, the crown and a Lakers LeBron jersey, and he was yelling obscenities at me. But anyway, guilty as charged. Um, 
my reaction was, you know, my first initial reaction was the Celtics and the Lakers are now tied, which, oh, that just does not sit well. And I feel sick just thinking about it because, you know, the Celtics have, or for all of NBA history, they had the most NBA championships. And then, you know, thanks to LeBron and Anthony Davis and company, now they are tied with the Celtics. And from the looks of it, they're probably going to get to Banner 18 before the Celtics do, which, wow. you know, hurts me. But, um, you know, I got to give props to LeBron. And as I said before, if he performs well and wins finals MVP, I'm ready to put him above Kareem. And so here I am saying that LeBron James is the second greatest basketball player of all time. He is sensational in every sense of the word. He is very... He's a great leader. You know, he can score, obviously. Where, where was this the other? I mean, your tweet was really, you know, like, mature and, and very evolved. Yes, view, and, but yes, and you talk to me, you know, different for, story. For those of you, for those of you who, <laughs> for those of you who don't follow me on Twitter, you should. But um, I said that, you know, I, I give a lot of credit for LeBron. And I don't give, I don't think, you know, saying that he's the second best player is not a shot at him. I think he deserves all the respect in the world. And, you know, Kobe would be proud. This this title was for Kobe Bryant and for Gianna Bryant, in my opinion, because this whole ever since that tragedy in January, the Lakers have just been on a mission. They've been motivated to to hoist that Larry O'Brien trophy for Kobe, and you know Kobe Bryant very near to our hearts, Jason. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know I'm very happy for them in that aspect that they won it for him, but you know. <laughs> They're tied with the Celtics now, which which is unfortunate. But, you know, LeBron is great. He's not the GOAT, but he's great. And he deserves all the respect in the world. So I got to give it to him. Yeah, you wouldn't know by my, you know, by my spirit and enthusiasm about this that I actually run a Boston sports blog, which is, you know, doesn't fit. But you know what? <laughs> Saturday, I mean, Sunday wasn't a great day for you, Ben, not only because he, he, they tied the Celtics in all-time championships. But not only that, he, he widened the gap between him and everyone else in the league. And, and here's my point, is that not only did he win the championship, and not only did he do it in dominant fashion, but Jimmy Butler's performance was really... Jimmy Butler's in a weird space right now. And I, don't, I want to talk about LeBron first and foremost, but yeah, I just want to talk about Jimmy Butler. We both elevated him to kind of a you know, top 10 guy in the league. He puts on stellar performances in games three and five. You know, other worldly performances. Sure did. Yep. Tip of the cap. But in the closeout game, you put up like 12 points. If LeBron did that, like that, and this you know, goes into my point that I said to you the other night is that if when LeBron retires, whenever that is, they're going to struggle finding the next guy. They're sure Giannis and Doncic are really good, and Tatum is too. They're the future, they can put up a lot of points. But who's the guy? Who's, who's the face of the league? Where reporters go up for political backing, which I don't know if Luca and Giannis are necessarily tied to because they're not from here. Right, those are the two that we were kind of looking at, yeah. But who's the guy where we nitpick every move? LeBron is the most dissected player, arguably, in American sports history. Yeah. I don't know if there's going to be a guy to fill that shoes, but Jimmy Butler is lauded for, A, losing the finals, which LeBron never is, and B... Kind of shrinking in a closeout game, even though he was exhausted, for good reason, by the way. It's never fun playing against LeBron in the finals. But if LeBron, if that happened to LeBron, we would be absolutely killing him today. But the book on Jimmy Butler is right now, top 10 player, really impressed us, deserves to be in the top 10. Like, what? I I just don't get it. Maybe you can explain it to me, but. I think it has to do with the fact that, like you said, prior to that, Jimmy Butler still was sensational. And, you know, yes, he, he didn't do great in that closeout game, but that entire series, he led the Heat in points, assists, rebounds, steals, blocks. Like, and the only other players to have done that was LeBron in 2016. And oh, who was the other one? I can't forget the other one. There was Jerry one West. other. Well, Jerry West, thank you. And that was in, you know, 1970. Uh, 72, I think it was. Yeah, when, when most of your favorite artists were, were alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good God. Ex- exactly. Man, catch up to the times, my friend. Exactly. So, 
but and that that's a pretty exclusive group of people right there and so that's why i think you know that's why jimmy butler is getting a lot of credit because he he kind of carried this team right they wouldn't be there without jimmy butler and i don't think that's debatable like you take jimmy butler off this team they're an eight seed maybe i and that leads to my point is that even anthony davis who we kind of elevated to maybe a top three top four guy he shrunk in two games. Sure, he was in foul trouble, but he had like 15 points. And if LeBron did that, and even if he still won the finals, it would be like, oh, his teammate carried him. If, if LeBron put up a Jimmy Butler-like performance and lost the finals, huge stain on his career. Huge. You, you would be on this show right now being like, this is why Jordan's number one. Just admit it. And, and well, it, it just goes to show like how why the gap is of expectation between LeBron and everyone else. Kawhi blew a 3-1 lead in the second round. And we're like, sure, we killed him. But like for the first time, like it's never like a stain on his career. He's really going to have to pay for this one. This is 2011 Dallas. It's so like LeBron is so dissected and he won and and good for him. And, you know, LeBron won Jordan too in my book. All right. Well, so since you brought it up, um, <laughs> I think the reason why, you know, people would get on LeBron for shrinking like that, which he did in the 2011 finals is because Jordan never did. And that's always the comp, right? It's because, you know, whenever we talk about the greatest basketball player of all time, Jordan is right there at number one. And then whoever else is at number two. And I think it's LeBron, but you know, other people would say Kobe or Kareem or whoever, right? Whatever. Tiago splitter. The list goes on. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> anyway, but um you know, with LeBron like or sorry, with Jordan rather, he was carrying the team every night. And yes, LeBron carries the team, but if he weren't to carry the team, if he were to get 12 points in a closeout game, if he were to shrink in the finals like he did in 2011, then that's why people get on him because because LeBron put himself in that uh, conversation of greatest of all time. So when you put yourself in that, because, you know, chosen one, all that, when you put yourself in that category, you're automatically going to compare to one person and one person only, and that's Michael Jordan. So if you're being compared to Michael Jordan, if you're not doing exactly what he was doing, then that's when all the, the criticism comes. And I agree. I think that, I think the criticism sometimes is too harsh. Skip Bayless, we always joke about this. The criticisms with him are too harsh. He can never win. If LeBron really? scores, if dude, I've I've said this all the time. If LeBron scores forty points, oh, he didn't pass enough. If LeBron only gets twenty five and you know thirteen assists, it's oh, he doesn't score enough. So I I get it. And and you know he was saying he was saying at game uh, at the end of game five when they lost and LeBron. Uh, dribbled down, drew the double team, passed it out to Danny Green. And then Danny Green misses the shot. They lose the game, right? Skip Bayless was on Twitter right away saying, oh, he should have shot that. Michael Jordan would have shot that shot, blah, blah, blah. Which, in my opinion, no, he wouldn't have. Because what did Michael Jordan do when he was doubled against the Jazz? He gave it to Steve Kerr. What did Michael Jordan do when he was doubled against the Suns? He passed it to John Paxson. No, he, he passed it to Horace Grant, who passed it to John Paxson. Thank you, but you get the you get I my know. point. <laughs> I know you I get agree. my point. That it's a smart play. Like yep. it, I, I was not getting on LeBron for that. I thought it was the right play. Danny Green just absolutely gagged. But good thing they didn't lose that series, though, because if they lost that series, Danny Green might not have been able to show his face in Los Angeles. That's tough. And 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 you know what? Props to Danny Green. You know why? Because. Him and his girl—I don't know if you heard this, Ben—but him, him and his girlfriend yeah. actually received death threats, which is like only Laker fans, man. Only Laker fans will will legit threaten to murder you if you miss a shot, and then the next day they're celebrating you because you won them a championship. Like, ugh, disgusting. But go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. You got the green goggles on right now. Anyway, uh, <laughs> true though, it, it is true. Um, but you know, I, in that game six, I was rooting for Danny Green to hit every shot he, he looked at because, like. I, I like when, you know, guys are doubted and guys are, you know, I don't like when they receive death threats, but I like when they overcome that level of, of scrutiny. Yeah. But anyway, to be honest, and I don't mean to sound like, you know, 
a LeBron homer, like I've been called several times. Which brutally, you are. Brutally bullied on this show. <laughs> um, but going into game six, I was like, this is kind of destined. No? Like, just from the start, it was like, this is, this is the Lakers to lose. Like, Miami looked kind of worn out. They didn't seem all together. Prop, tip of the cap to Goran Dragic, by the way, who came out, you know, first action in the series. Game one really didn't look too apparent. It didn't look like he really heard anything on the replay, but he tore something in his foot. I forget the name of it, but yeah, props it was, to him. It was a ligament or something. Yeah. Yeah. Props to him uh, for even stepping onto the court. But just from the, just from the jump, it seemed like the Lakers to lose, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I, I kind of said this earlier, but it, I think it had to do with the fact, you know, with the whole tragedy with Kobe Bryant, I think the Lakers were so motivated this year to win it for him because Kobe Bryant to the city of L.A. and to the Lakers organization meant everything. I mean, he brought them five championships, you know, all-time leading scorer for the Lakers, you know, has all the, the uh, records for the Lakers. Like, he did everything for them, 20 years with one franchise, you know what I mean? And then to lose someone like that in that fashion, you know, the Lakers were destined to win the title this year, and that's why, you know, I think it was meant to be. But to your point, you know, they faced the the eight seed Portland Trailblazers, who we all on the show were like, "Oh, watch out for Portland, right? Watch out yep. for Portland." Yep, losing five, and you you've uh, brought this point up all the time. But it's a great you know. point. You know what? I, I want to hear it for myself. Go ahead. <laughs> so again, the Houston Rockets, who, by the way, I I said they had a ton of pressure going into this postseason, which I yeah. believed, and they. They did exactly what I didn't want them to do, which was fizzle out because they had no excuse this time. I won't even get into that because I'm still mad about it, but whatever. <laughs> but they, they fizzle out in five games. Yep. And Russell Westbrook is trash-talking the, the wives and children sitting, in the, <laughs> sitting in, the, in the stands because there's no one there. Anyway, not the point. They roll them in five. And then the Denver Nuggets, who, you know, one of the toughest, mentally toughest teams I thought in these playoffs, they came back from two three one deficits. They beat the uh, Clippers coming back from three one, who everyone was scared of the Clippers, and then they lose in five to the Lakers. So is that a testament to you know, a lot of people are gonna say this was the easiest path to a ring, right? I don't think so. I think there's a lot more nuance to it, but it was it was kind of the Lakers title to lose. And you know I said whoever comes out, like when the Lakers beat the Nuggets, it was whoever comes out of the East, the Celtics or the Heat, they're going to lose in five or six. And that ended up being the case. So I saw something on Twitter. I think it was Twitter. Um, people, a lot of people were bringing up the Lakers route Mount Rushmore. And I was thinking to myself, is there a chance LeBron could ever get on it? And I, my initial reaction is no. Um, Simply because of who's on, like, who are you going to take off? Jerry West, yeah. he's the logo of the league. Magic Johnson doesn't need to be said. Kobe's obviously on it. And, and then I'd put Kareem. Maybe you could probably make a case for Wilt, too. But those, and Elgin Baylor, too, deserves consideration. But Shaq. those, like, absolutely. I just don't like, I don't think there's anything LeBron could do this point forward in LA to, I don't know. It's a tough subject, but. What what do you where do you land on that? That's a that's a very interesting question. I mean, for me, the Lakers Mountain Rushmore is Magic, Kobe. I'll put Kareem there. And the fourth spot, I'd probably put Shaq. I mean, three Finals MVPs is pretty yeah. dominant, you know, and he kind of ran the league at that point. Um. So yeah, I mean, I mean, LeBron could LeBron could get on the Mountain Rushmore, but he'd have to, you know, I he needs to win an MVP with the which you know he could have won this year, you know that's the d- debate that we had. Should have, but he's ahead. he's still but like but but to I know I to know. the testament of LeBron's longevity, he probably could next year, or the year after. We don't know. I mean, he says he has a lot more years left. He could win another MVP. Maybe he wins another Finals MVP. He gets put in that conversation because I mean. You look at the, like, I mean, Magic and Kobe are, are a shoe-in. But, like, Kareem, um, he has one finals MVP, I believe, with the with the Lakers. Shaq has three, but he has one MVP. You know, I mean, like you said, though, the list of Lakers greats is just so long. And that's why they have all these banners, by the way. 
because everyone wants to go to Los Angeles. All these free agencies, all these free agents just go to Los Angeles whenever they want a place to go. Why? Because it's La La Land and there's a beach and it's 300 days of warm weather and beautiful women everywhere you go. And that's why everyone goes there. And that's why they won 17 championships. But you really think uh, LeBron goes to, um, what was one place he was? Minnesota for free agency? No. Yeah. Philadelphia? No. Please, give me a break. You want to go to L.A.? But as I, um, we're uh, we're yeah. trending towards the end of this I need segment in the show. It's a great show, actually. Yes, I'm playing some really nice things. Um, but no I do want to preface something. Uh, we're gonna be doing a recording for my YouTube channel about this has been far overdue. Okay, Ben and I have been brawling about this, and we're I think we should do like a, a blowout. Just lay it all out. We got our debate. It'll be better than the GOP debate. We can we can just go all out and make our case. But uh. If, and this might be far-fetched, but if LeBron ends up finishing his career six and six, are you going to kill him? Are you going to are you going to pull out the finals? He shrinks. Are you going to pull that out on him? He have six rings. He's trending upwards right now. He only needs two more. And that is something that we can talk about in New England Sports United. We'll save it for that one. All right, folks. <laughs> I'm not I'm not getting into it right now. <laughs> Jason Snow, Ben May Maritas, pleasure having you in today. Andrew will be uh, here on Friday, I hope. Uh, this has been the final call, episode 46. Pleasure having you. It's a new season, and we still breathing.